Hello, and welcome to episode 52, no, 53, my bad, of My Dog Will Eat My Face. I've started out with a bane, haven't I? Uh, And this week, I originally completed a whole other podcast, actually, saying basically just the defense of the disabled. Being disabled now myself... I just went off about that for, oh, 30 minutes. But in hindsight, I realized coming out in defense of the disabled is no real bold position to take. (laughs) And I'm worried that my listeners might be stabbing their eyes out through boredom just from listening to the whole podcast of just on that topic. Although you don't need eyes to listen to my podcast, so that doesn't really matter, does it? Anyway, so in this week, what I decided to do is to sort of abbreviate that topic in and of itself and combine it with a broader brush of other issues that I have seen really here in my life as I recover, well, not recover, as I live through and die from congestive heart failure and kidney heart failure, or kidney failure, excuse me. You can see how crushing that was. I tried to say recover, but that's not going to happen. So, anyway, um, on that depressing note, uh, although that is the whole topic of the podcast, (laughs) anyway, I'm allowed a depressed moment here and there, aren't I? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, uh, back to the main topic. Uh, So this week, I've really cut out the good and the bad that I've really seen here in my life since... I've had the dual diagnosis and have been suffering now from not just congestive heart failure or CHF, I might refer to it through the abbreviation, um, or that in in concert with uh, the kidney failure. So I wanted to kind of package up the bad experiences I have had, which might include a defense of the disabled. as opposed to just one single topic. But I've also actually included uh, the good things that I've observed since the diagnosis I've had. And I think that's important. You know, there's not just, it's just not been all bad. Uh, There is good here as well. And so I wanted to package both into a description and that's what I'm really publishing this week. Now, I understand there's going to be some cuts that are going to have kind of a, I don't know what to call it, like a hissing noise or um, a low rumble noise underneath it all. And I'm telling you now, there's really nothing I can do about that. What you're hearing there is when you hear that hissing noise, and I know it's obnoxious, And when you hear that kind of low rumble, when you do hear it, 
it's a combination of my oxygen concentrators working away as well as just the huge amount of oxygen piping into my face so it's hard to record something coming out of my mouth without also capturing what's going into my face and my nose in particular i'm on 19 liters of oxygen uh, with activity at rest i can maybe get by off about 18 liters to 16 liters on a really good day so either way it's a huge amount of oxygen if you were to put my cannula on you'd be probably blown backwards <laughs> so yeah i've unfortunately got it strapped to my face to keep me alive uh, if i don't have it i start to suffocate and that's really lousy so i don't want to make a recording of me actually literally dying on it but uh, uh, there's nothing I can do about the times when you hear that hissing noise or that little rumble noise. And I just want to apologize to my listeners for that now. Uh, some cuts it is better than others, but some cuts, uh, I it, there just seems nothing I can do to get it cut out and edit it out. So... With that, I do apologize, but I ask you for your forbearance and ask you to bear with me through that. Trust me, I have it worse. I'm hearing it all the time in my life. So, uh, I got it worse off than you. <laughs> you just have to hear it for a few minutes. I hear it all the time. Anyway, uh, that's about it. So, I'll get started here with this week's topics. And I'm going to start actually with the bad things that I have observed since living with a dual uh, dual uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, suffering I don't know what a better word is of CHF along with kidney failure. So, let us hereby begin. So to start, I'm going to start with the most obvious, the bad, and this is again the bad things that have occurred more or less since I've had my dual diagnosis of CHF and kidney failure. So, honestly, the bad is not anything physical or medical much at all. Uh, Much of my physical state remains the same lousy state (laughs) that has been for some time it is it's always been well not always but it's been a lousy state before the uh, second diagnosis and it just continues to be a lousy state i'm not seeing a significant change it's not significantly gotten worse it 
although started really terrible. Uh, so I don't know what that means. But what I want to touch on is just the utter apathy of other people with respect to seeing someone who is clearly suffering and clearly disabled, which is really the catalyst for me making my first go at this week's podcast, which is the defense of the handicapped and their rights. So let me explain that a little bit further as to what's been going on with respect to that. Um, In short, I'll have to explain, I live in a very, very, very large uh, apartment building. It takes up a whole city block and is a high-rise. So I live on the top floor and there normally is an elevator close to my apartment or relatively close that I can walk to much more easily than any of the other elevator shafts. I mean, there's multiple elevator shafts in the building because it's so big, but the one closest to me uh, is just one elevator of, of three different shafts. The other two are basically on the other side of the building, and you have to walk basically a whole city block and I'm not exaggerating, it's, it's really a whole city block, if you, if you look at it on paper, to get to the other uh, elevators. So, I own a dog, <laughs> which means I have to take him out occasionally, even if it's not just to potty, it's, so he doesn't get so bored, he starts to eat my face off before I die. (laughs) I'll just sheer boredom. So I don't want that to happen. So I have to occasionally try to take him out for a walk. Now when I do, I have to lug along a oxygen tank on wheels and bear that through and through because the oxygen tank system that I use only goes up to 15 liters, whereas I'm at on uh, 18 liters at home. So immediately I'm at a lower liter flow when I try to just even begin to go outside with them. And no one has manufactured a better system, portable system, that allows you to go out above that liter rate as best as I can know or as best as I know. So it's it's a total apathy on the part of the company that makes that. They said, oh, well, we made a system that goes up to 15 liters. Very few people will go that high. So who cares about the rest? We're set. <laughs> also, this elevator system closest to me seems to be frequently broken down and has been lately for some time i would say probably a couple weeks and my building management has done absolutely nothing to repair it which is just frankly absurd to me 
I, I simply just don't understand it at all. So, that being said, it's, it's very troubling to see that my fellow people, my fellow man, just doesn't seem to care if the oxygen system is insufficient. It's such a rare case. Their answer to that issue is, oh well, it's rare when that happens. What can we do? <laughs> and it's basically the exact same technology that happened in the 1970s, because I've got pictures of me as a baby, as a kid, hooked up to oxygen because I was suffering as a kid. And it's precisely the exact same system and oxygen flow delivery mechanism as we have today. So 40 years have passed and they've done absolutely nothing to improve it. Absolutely nothing. They just simply don't care. So I have to complain about the elevator being down. Otherwise, no one will react and do anything about it. And also, when I do manage to take the dog out, when I do manage to go in public, it's very clear that I'm suffering. And many times I'm huffing and puffing. I'm clearly in distress. My legs are shaking, especially towards the end of a walk where I am in a massive hurry to get home to get a higher liter flow of oxygen. And where I live, it's extremely crowded. It's, there's an open restaurant dining area right by that same elevator entrance uh, on the first floor. And so there's literally dozens and dozens of people out there and they can all see me and never do they express concern. Actually, I shouldn't say never. I got an expression of concern once. And they don't help. They don't hold the door for me. They don't do anything. They just ignore it. It's not their problem. And beyond that, People just ignore any sign of the physical symptoms, like I said, whether I'm on a walk or not. They really just don't seem to mind. They don't want to meddle with it. They want to say it's none of their business, so why intervene? Whereas here I am fumbling between a dog leash and carrying an oxygen tank clearly in distress, trying to just open a door. And no one could do the courtesy of helping me out. It just never happens. So, that's my point. People just have a large stretch of apathy when it comes to the disabled and or helping the disabled, or anyone else for that matter. I've definitely experienced that firsthand. I wonder if it's because there's a fear that 
helping someone could turn into something negative to where they're going to be sued. And it's a trap. I could f totally foresee some people fearing that. And that's just sad. That is very sad if we live in a society that's like that. But anyway, it's uh, disconcerting to say the least that no one seems to bother with it. And so when I take my dog out, I have to go use a different elevator, a freight elevator, literally a block away from my unit. And so by the time I get there, I'm just utterly exhausted. And when I try to get home, I press the, uh, what do you call it? The door handicap button to let it open so I don't have to fumble with it with the leash and uh, whatever else I'm carrying and the cherry on top was <laughs> the uh, button doesn't work at all <laughs> it just doesn't respond so I've got to fiddle with the door and fumble with it try to see if I can't get through so it, it's been a mess in my building for honestly years with this kind of stuff and it's very troubling they don't just go in and do a fundamental fix they, they've got to be just be putting a band-aid on these things whereas there is a fundamental strong fix that they just can't do because it costs too much and my feeling is too bad <laughs> it costs a lot too bad. You're the one that built a cheap building and got the units in as quickly as can to make money. Uh, it's not my fault if you spent a little bit of time to do it the right way. This would not have happened to you. That's my feeling on it. So that is just an example of people totally disregarding the health in others and not showing any sort of I don't know what to call it sign of assistance or care for their fellow man who is clearly in distress and that's really sad to me and I experience that very frequently a lot of disinterest a lot of apathy and it just blows my mind how people can see someone who's hurting and they frankly just don't care also I wanted to point out that when I do take my dog out, it's amazing that he shows more empathy than people do. He walks at my stride, looking back at me every moment to make sure I'm okay and I'm with him. And he makes sure I'm doing okay. And when I get home, he clearly has a distressed look on his face and it immediately jumps on me to hold me, to try to comfort me. So my dog has more empathy 
than the common person. But I guess that's to be expected from our canine friends. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess I would like more from my fellow humanity. Perhaps I'm naive to expect something like that. But it would be nice to get more from my fellow humans. But I think I've just have to give up hoping for more and realize it's just not going to happen. Let's discuss the good that has happened in the time of my dual diagnosis. I'm going to unfortunately have to expand that time period a little bit because some of the good that happened is dependent upon things that I did prior in earlier months and days. So. First of all, I already possess so many hobbies. <laughs> I've got enough hobbies right now that you couldn't possibly shake a stick at them all. <laughs> uh, there's a million things that I am a so-called buff of. Uh, aviation, architecture, gaming, just to name three off the top of my head. And it's, it's a very strong sense of hobby and interest I have in these topics. Well, lo and behold, out of interest actually originally was just to save money, but I've developed a new hobby, which is cooking. <laughs> Before that moment, I didn't cook at all, none whatsoever, and I decided that it was ridiculously expensive to spend money like I was spending on takeout and food every three days. That's the one thing that really displaced me from the bad news, which is great. Uh, taking up a new hobby uh, in light of, or in spite of, I should say, of all these events is truly amazing to me. Uh, I can't believe that here I am supposedly dying <laughs> uh, a terrible death and with the Um, with the latest diagnosis they strongly expect that that is what's going to kill me first and I will just one day go to sleep and be sleeping too much and sleeping and sleeping and then essentially never wake up 
So, I devised a plan with um, my family and friends to make sure there is a process to wake me up or unfortunately send in the popo if I don't wake up. <laughs> so, that's the only plan I have. But here's the thing, is the good news is I'm still maintaining these hobbies. I haven't really lost any of them. Just last night, I was reading through one of my new books, which is The World History and Maps. <laughs> you can't get more geeky than that, but I love that kind of stuff. I love maps and I love history, so to me it's a double whammy win. And it's just a book, I, a huge book I got from the Smithsonian, and I love reading through it. And I, I'm literally not even up to the uh, time of Alexander the Great. <laughs> because it takes me so long in each time period that they mapped out to read it out and have so many, oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah, moments. <laughs> that uh, it's just impossible. So that's a hobby that's still there and I damn like it. But I think another thing even shows more of an attribute of the good. Unfortunately, when I was in hospice originally, not far into it, my dog companion of 15 years passed away. It was devastating to me. But a couple months later, I went ahead and adopted a new dog. And I did that despite the loud complaints I heard from some people, just visceral in some cases, such as my ex, or one of my exes, I should say, who said that I had no business adopting a new life form that's dependent upon me when I can't possibly take care of myself. Those were pretty close to the exact words, and they were coupled with a very shrill tone of anger. But I, despite all that, adopted a new puppy anyway. Now it's been probably six months since I've had him, and we're just the best of pals now. <laughs> he is very affectionate, He's very loyal. As I shared earlier, he is one of those dogs that looks out for his owners. He defends me. He sleeps with me every night. He is very much, very much now a piece of my life. And I'm a piece of his. So, that's also been a new thing that's 
uh, just incredible to me that he could escape like that, <laughs> first of all, and two, that he does what he does. He goes after what he sees as the enemy and I mean this person, not my dog. Anyway, I trailed off there a little bit. You have to excuse me. <laughs> my dog is really what I should be thinking for. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do here is I now have a new life that I'm taking care of, a new companion that is my duty to care for. And that is new since I've been in hospice. It's not new since I've had the dual diagnosis, but it certainly is going on at the same time. And it has not changed whatsoever. I still love him. I still take care of him. I'm still playing with him. So he is still giving me so much in love. And I'm trying to always give it back that that is something new that I've developed uh, in this time period while being uh, basically at the mercy of, of what may happen to my mental state with medications I'm on. So, those are two huge things that have developed in the time that I've been a new dog, well, uh, that I've been a new, uh, fighting, I guess is a good word, or experiencing these negative experiences. I've developed a new hobby that I really like. And in point of fact, it's actually cooking. I think I said that already, but I've never cooked before in my life. And then just the other day, I cooked probably one of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life. So I'm killing it. <laughs> I'm killing that hobby. Uh, so I'm very happy with it. And it gives me a lot to do and a lot to focus on. And so there's that as well as a new companion and that's very demanding as well. So these are two huge things I've learned and will continue to practice. And it's really uh, amazing to me that I've done that, even despite the fact that I am supposedly in free fall of going into my own death. So those are just two examples of the good that come straight to mind. I'm sure there are more if I were to muddle on it for any period of time. But those two things that are new and very bold in my life are what I wanted to share here today.
Before I continue, I do want to apologize for some moments where I have to pause and collect my thoughts as I did in the last segment. Unfortunately, it's a uh, side effect of one of the medications I've been put on to battle the potential psychosis caused by the kidney failure. So... I apologize, and I beg you, fair listeners, not pass too much judgment on it if I have to pause occasionally. It's one of the new things that's an issue. I'm sure it's going to be one of probably many more to come. So, again, I beg your forbearance. Anyway, moving on. Why does it really matter so much that... I have the good in my life still. Well, in short summary, in the time I've been in hospice, I've actually managed to come to peace with my disease and my own death. It's absolutely true that I have peace with those topics now. And I've earned them by, frankly, observing that I have lived a full, good life. And it's not necessarily all good, so I think a full life is probably more descriptive and also more valuable. I've had both good and bad happen to me uh, in significant doses <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah, for uh, for both cases so I've had both substantially in my life and that's why maintaining a bit of happiness and something to look forward to now and a little hobby now and friends with a new life form now. It's so important because I have to be able to continue to say I've lived a full life. It's not over yet. As you can tell, I'm not dead yet. (laughs) I'm still here, which means that with whatever I'm doing now, it better matter and it better be an influential part of my life and hopefully a good part of my life. But it doesn't even have to be good, like I said, just a a major impact. And that is why these things are so important. That is why it's so essential that I maintain this sort of life and base it on my reception of the medications that people might suggest or ones that I might already be on or who knows what. 
But this is why it's so important that I maintain my life still, still now, because I am still living. So, that being said, I think you understand why the good is so darn important. And the bad, too. Both can coexist and intertwine and form a robust life, for lack of a better word. It's got both components, and they're both rather heavy. Uh, the fact that I'm taking care of a little dog and raising him as well is a huge positive factor in my life. And beforehand, I was told I can't do it. I was told by so many people, don't adopt a dog. Are you crazy? You can't take care of yourself. What are you going to do with a dog? One of my exes even said that very viscerally that I should not in any sense adopt a dog and that was very selfish and terrible of me. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for that, sweetie. <laughs> but the end result is now I have a really good friend. I have a good companion. And that is a huge plus in my life. And I have a good sense of self at home. And a sense that I've accomplished something. And earned something. Like I said in previous podcasts, I have to do something to where it's an achievement. And raising an animal absolutely is an achievement. And I'm glad to say that I've got that apparently hands down. I've killed it. <laughs> so it's so I'm very happy with that and how that's turned out. But I wanted to say why that's so important to me to maintain a good life and why this is so darn important even now in the twilight of my life because even now everything I'm doing counts except not the guy who's in there yeah sure he's going there for to check it out I'm sure he's got a ticket number two or something anyway um I don't know what I was talking about there. I would just forget it. <laughs> that was another trail off. I'm, I'm sorry. That was another trail off. Darn it. Oh, I hate this medication. But alas, uh, that's my point, and I've driven it home. And now you understand as to why it is so important to me to maintain the good and even have a profound respect for the bad. For they construct still a full life, even at the twilight of my life and my approach to my death.
So, as I come to the closure of this week's podcast, I want to give you a special thanks for listening in to my lengthy banter, I suppose. And hopefully I've explained my position as to why I seek value in these experiences so that I can always say till the very end that I have lived a full life and through that maintain my peace with my own death and my own disease. And with that being said, I will plan on talking to you next week. And again, I thank you very much for tuning in to this podcast. If you want to show some support, make sure you click on follow. And also make sure you turn on notifications so that you're notified that future podcasts are delivered. Otherwise, you'll miss them. Just clicking follow is not enough. Remember that. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can go to um, patreon.com slash mydogwilleatmyface and drop a little shekel and a little bit to pay for this small little endeavor of mine. And for that, I would thank you immensely. But you've already done the one thing that which I absolutely uh, must say my highest thanks for and give you the highest praise for just tuning in and listening in to the podcast as is. That is what's truly a value to me that you tuned in and listened. And I hope you share it with friends and others who might be just interested in listening in to uh, my banter. (laughs) And hopefully uh, you can do that and spread the word and other people can then hopefully enjoy this podcast as well. Now, don't forget to click follow when you're looking at the podcast and your application. Also, be sure to turn on notifications. Just following is not enough. In most apps, you have to also turn on notifications. So make sure you do that as well. And if you want to really help the podcast, you can drop a shekel or two at patreon.com slash my dog will eat my face. And that would mean so much to me if you were to just do that. But you've already done the ultimate thing, the one thing that I thank you the utmost for. And that is just listening in to the podcast itself and listening in to my banter and my ideas. And just that chiming in is the ultimate thing and the ultimate gift that you can give me. And for that, I do sincerely thank you and give you the highest praise. I do appreciate you listening in to this podcast um, so very much. And 
I, I can't express it enough that I give you the highest thanks and praise for just tuning in to my banter. But with all that being said, I will try to catch up with you next week. But for now, it's going to be ciao for now.